You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey guys, Aaron Broverman here just to tell you about our sponsor, Harry Tarantula. Harry Tarantula is our original sponsor. They're the OG sponsor. They were here in the very beginning when we were just a fledgling comic book show done out of some guy's bedroom. But they have some amazing product for you. Just go down to their store at 3456 Young Street and you can get your role-playing games. You can get your comic books, of course. You can get your tabletop games. They have everything. We got Pokemon cards. We've got Star Wars miniatures. They just have everything that you could possibly want. Plus, Leon, their owner, is an amazing dude. He uh, He's very honest and uh, he'll get you everything you need. And uh, they have an amazing new space there at 3456 Young Street. So you got to go down. You got to check out their merchandise. Sometimes they have weekly live role-playing games, some Magic the Gathering stuff. They're doing championships all the time. You've probably seen a lot of their stuff on our social media because we try to promote them any way we can because without them we wouldn't be able to put this podcast together for you so please if you're local to Toronto and even if you're not look them up at www.harryt.com and uh, check them out at 3456 Young Street and tell them Aaron sent you This episode of Speech Bubble is sponsored by Adaptify. Adaptify is this amazing company that I really identify with as a person with a disability myself. They help people in wheelchairs get more independent with the inventions that they create. They just had an amazing Kickstarter for a product called the Lap Stacker. Basically, people in wheelchairs, and you know, I have personal experience with this, find it really frustrating when they're carrying something on their lap and it just flies off as soon as they try to wheel their chair. And it can be tough to wheel your chair one-handed while holding whatever you're carrying on your lap yourself. You need something hands-free, and that's where the lap stacker comes in. They also invented a product called the Urigo, which uh, notifies people with paralysis when they need to go to the washroom. So uh, there's no embarrassment. It just sends a notification to their phone and uh, they know when they need to go. So check out these amazing inventions. They're at adaptify.com. That's A-D-A-P-T-D-E-F-Y.com. You can find them on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Adaptify, and check out their YouTube channel, because it's really hard to describe their inventions in audio, so check it out for yourself on video, and see things like the lap stacker in action in real time. If you know somebody in a wheelchair who could really use a lap stacker, go to Adaptify.com and tell them Aaron sent you. This episode of Speech Bubble is brought to you by the Amok Podcast, as in Run Amok. A-M-O-K. Amok is a fictional sci-fi comedy, 11 years in the making, in the vein of those classic radio plays like The Shadow or Superman. It stars Evelyn Halliday, a plucky administrator for the Earth Empire Utopia who dreams of becoming an astronaut and going to the moon. Sounds like a simple dream, right? Unfortunately, That dream becomes more distant than ever when she's named the president of the Earth Empire's Central Reserve and is bored stiff by the monotony of the job. Anyone would be. 
But then Earth's mayor makes up a false trade war with a fake moon emperor he names Mr. Lloyd Schneerman, and suddenly Evelyn is thrust closer to her lunar landing than ever before as a once utopian Earth begins to run amok. Sound cool? Well, Never Sleeps Network has an exclusive sneak preview just for you. Check it out. Welcome to the Earth Empire, voted best planet in a sweeping global ballot. What makes us so great? Money! That's right, lots of money. And we here at the Earth Empire Central Reserve make the planet's most versatile money money can buy. Support Earth's economy. Buy Earth money. Money. Oh, the choices you can have. The Earth Empire Central Reserve does not recommend not choosing money because that is one of the choices you do not have. Crazy, right? Amok promises all kinds of thrills, chills, and spills with lots of laughter and a little sex and violence for good measure because who doesn't love the sex and violence? It's a bizarre social satire with great lampooning of our current economic and political situation. And they need your help. The crew behind Amok wants to give you, our listeners, the opportunity to help produce the show. So check out their GoFundMe at GoFundMe.com slash Amok Radio. That's A-M-O-K Radio. Help produce the show, and when you do, tell them Aaron sent you. You're listening to Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries. Here's your host, Aaron Broverman. Godspeed, old chum. Hey, fan people. Welcome to another episode of Speech Bubble. I am your host, Aaron Broverman. You found us on Never Sleeps Network at NeverSleepsNetwork.com. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast needs met. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review our show. It helps people discover us. Uh, If you leave us a review on iTunes, I send you a comic from my personal collection. All you have to do is uh, DM me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at SpeechBubblePod. Today, we have a very special guest. He is known for... Uh, Luke Cage Everyman, which is a digital-only comic uh, provided by Marvel. He's also done an arc of She-Hulk with Mariko Tamaki called uh, Jen Walters Must Die. He's an alumnus of the From a Hat Collective. If you listen to our episode with Jamal Campbell and Parisoline, They are also from the From a Hat Collective, so he knows them very well. He is Brampton boy, Janoy Lindsay. Welcome, Janoy. How are you? Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. I'm good. It's good to have you in. I've always wanted to get more people from From a Hat into the studio. Um, Before we get into some of your more high-profile work for Marvel, though, I wanted to ask you about your childhood. Where were you born? 
I was born in Jamaica. I'd have to ask my mom, like, where exactly, though. But, uh, yeah, I was born in Jamaica, and I moved to Canada with my parents after I was three months old. So you don't remember Jamaica at all, really? I remember absolutely nothing. Oh, man. <laughs> so did you did you move to Brampton right away? No. Uh, we started in Mississauga, I think, and I came to Brampton in grade four, I think. Nice. Yeah. Um, so what was your childhood like? What's what's your family like? Give me a picture about what it was like growing up. Um, it was cool. It was... N- <laughs> like, I don't know. It was like, I guess it was average. Like, there was nothing, like, special or anything. Like, I love my parents, but nothing, nothing crazy. What did your parents do? Uh, my dad's an electrician, and my mom is a bank teller. Do you have any brothers or sisters? I have a sister. Older, younger? I have a younger sister. I have an older sister, but she's a half-sister. So, like... It's mean to say, but I don't, like, count her. Okay. <laughs> I have stepsisters, too, so, yeah, so yeah. I sort of know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, like, you're my sister. If I see you, it's like, I love you, but it's almost like an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing. Right. She lives somewhere else. Yeah. Like, with, with, with her, her family. family? Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand what you're saying. So, growing up, like... Uh, did you like, do you like living in, in Brampton and when you lived in Mississauga? Like, what kind of, what kind of person were you? Did you get along with your, with your sister? Me and my sister would fight a lot, uh, when we were younger, but I think we have like such a great relationship now. Mm -hmm. Uh, and as for who I was when I was younger, I was, I'm pretty much the same guy. Like, I haven't changed much from, like, middle school to high school to now. So kind of, like, quiet, casual. Quiet, yeah. You know, that Very, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was school for you? Oh, I was bad. <laughs> you were I bad? Was, I was bad. I was a bad student. How so? Um, I remember getting trouble in, like, math class for, like, drawing on all of my assignments and, like, not paying attention because I, I drew a lot in high school. And it was just like, instead of doing the work. So how did you get into drawing? How did you discover art? Who encouraged that? Um, how did I get into drawing? I think I like, my earliest memories of drawing is like, there used to be these like Pokemon, like official guidebooks. And I would trace the Pokemon in them, like back in kindergarten or whatever. And uh, I had a grade one uh teacher who kind of pushed me to like draw it's always been my teachers that kind of like the ones that weren't mad at me for drawing in class the whole time they would like encourage me to continue drawing so like my grade one teacher would give gave me an art book um i remember my grade five teacher grade six no grade five teacher um kind of like instead of recess there was like this art thing where it's like you just come in and draw and she like asked me to come to that and stuff. Then I have my high school teacher, Michelle Walter, and I think she's the one that really got me to buckle down and be like, okay, art is like going to be my thing. So they recognized right away, like at a really early age that you were, you were talented, I guess. They must have seen something. Yeah. To, yeah. To I, encourage I, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
did you notice yourself that you were good at drawing? Um, I don't think I, I don't think I really understood I was, I, I don't like saying this, like good at drawing. Um, I'm all right. Uh, no, I don't, I still don't think I'm like good. Like I, I tell myself I'm good, but like I, there's so many people like that are like so amazing and I just look at them and I'm like, oh damn, I'm not them. But what compels you to keep doing it? Oh, I love drawing though. Right. Despite how, despite how down I can be on myself sometimes, I definitely, it's definitely something I love to do. When you were younger, what kinds of things did you draw? Like I started out sketching Pokemon and then it was like creating my own Pokemon. So that was, I spent a lot of time doing that and then... I got into like anime and manga a lot, so my characters started to look like anime characters. And I think that's where like I really started developing my style, just like copying uh, some of the anime and manga I've seen on TV and read. What was your favorite anime and manga? Mm, growing up, it was probably Naruto, but I also loved like Yu Gi Oh! and uh, Dragon Ball Z. Everyone likes Dragon Ball Z. What was it about anime that attracted you? Hmm. I don't know. It might have been, like, the stories. Especially in, like, being so young, all, a lot of the cartoons that are on are kind of very simple. And anime stories are, like, overarching tales, and, like, the fighting is awesome. It's. I think that's why I really got into it. There's, like, a level of complexity. Yeah. Yeah, that you don't find in other, like, American mainstream cartoons, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I mean, aside from, like, the Batman animated series stuff. Which was like, wicked, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How old are you? I am 26. 26. So, for Batman the animated series, that's a little bit before your time, but obviously you... you I, I saw reruns and You stuff. saw reruns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. So, were you... While you were drawing, like anime characters and your own Pokemon like do you remember um the kind of Pokemon you drew like the ones that you invented <laughs> <laughs> um I promise you they must have been just like ripoffs of existing Pokemon <laughs> nice yeah I don't think there is anything like particularly unique I remember there being like an egg dinosaur thing but that just reminds me of a Digimon yeah, or like Yoshi from like Mario yeah, Brothers yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't creative. I was just, like I said, I'm not the best. I just, I just enjoyed it. So I spent a lot of time just drawing. What is it about drawing? Uh, maybe in terms of like how you feel when you're doing it or, you know, what it provides for you that makes you enjoy it so much? Hmm. I don't know. There's like a piece almost like when I'm working on something of my own and I, and I, and I'm in a rhythm, there's like a, it's definitely a piece. Like I'm not focused on anything else. And I think I, and I enjoy that piece a lot. Like just have some cool music in the background and working and like not having a care about anything else. I think that's, that's what I love the most. Uh, just talking to you now, like, 
I I see that you're like a really low key guy already. Yeah. Right? Does that come from just like who you are innately, like how how you sort of came out of the womb, or are you you influenced by your family? Like, is the rest of your family kind of no quiet and low key? Well, my mom is, but uh, okay. my dad and my sister are like. Well, not so much my sister. Most of my dad, they're like loud and out there. Right. But I, I guess I get that from my mom. Very chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And and it seems like drawing would be a really good hobby for somebody who's already chill because you get to be sort of by yourself. Yeah. You get to focus on something. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, that's definitely it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, in terms of fostering your talent, uh, you mentioned that uh, Miss Showalter in high school. What grade was that? Ooh, uh, 11, 11 and 12. So she, she really like sort of, uh, got you to take it seriously. Yeah. Um, were you influenced also by comics? Were you getting into comics at the same time? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I feel so bad because like, I love comics, but like, I'm so new to comics as well. I think my I saw an advertisement for, like, Avengers versus X-Men. And, like, every the only thing I knew about the Avengers at the time was, like, the movie that was coming out. And, like, I loved the X-Men cartoon. Right. I think, like, I think I saw the early 90s one. And there's that really good one, Wolverine and the X-Men. Right. The cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's all I knew about, like comic books really and mm-hmm. like did some dc stuff so avengers versus x-men came out in like i want to say 2011 or so 2012 maybe and i was like you know what this looks cool i'll pick it up so that was like the first comic i bought and uh so that's when i started like getting into the world of comics who took you to your first like comic shop like how did you find yourself picking up avengers versus x-men because comics are something that like you actually have to go to the comic yeah, shop yeah, to yeah. get, right? Um, what's that place in... I think it's called Hobby World. Okay. In, uh, at the Bramley City Center. Okay. Um, I don't remember why I was there in the mall by myself. But I was there and I was walking around and I saw it and I just walked in. I was like, oh, here's that comic I saw advertised. Right. And I just grabbed it. Do you remember where you saw the ad initially? It could. I. It might have been an ad on a YouTube video. Oh, yeah. Wow. So like, I know that on YouTube videos and like whenever they do like ads for comics, it's sort of like a motion video yeah, where they yeah. like animate kind the, of the pages. the pages. Yeah. 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 I. I think it must have been that. Wow, that's interesting. But all the while you're drawing. Yeah, this whole time, like I'm drawing throughout all of this. I just didn't know that. I'd be drawing comics. It was just like whatever character I came up in my head that looked like whatever anime character I saw on TV. Nice. So you would sort of, you would watch like Naruto or some sort of anime like that and then sort of do like a variation on those characters or do your own characters that were of similar style? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then in grade 11, that seems like a turning point a little bit for you uh, with Miss Showalter. What did she what did she say to you? Um it was more like like I said I wasn't the best student and I was drawing my own thing instead of like paying attention to like the work. Right. And I guess she got me to like buckle down because like 
I guess she said like, yo, you stay on this. You're going to be like wasting your, your talent and you got there's work to do and you got to be able to focus on the work. And so and I think through her help, I've been able to or at the time just like focus on making something out of what I'm doing instead of just like doodling all the time, just like putting that like energy towards creating something. Right. So she she got you to recognize the importance of. I guess not necessarily school, but like focusing yeah. your talent. Yeah. But but realizing that like you still had to like pass high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you wanted to if you wanted to make anything of yourself, yeah. right? So like you couldn't just draw. Exactly. I right. had I, it had to be more. Why why do you think you were a bad student? Why do you think you had trouble focusing on school? Hmm. What was it about school that you didn't that you didn't like? I don't know. Like, because when I did do the work, it's not like I had bad grades when I did the work. Right. I just didn't care. I don't know what it is about. And I didn't do, like, terrible, like, C's and B's, sometimes in A. Yeah, it's pretty it's average. All, it's all right, yeah. Yeah. But I guess, like, I say I did bad because I know I probably could have done better if I, like, cared. Right. But it just wasn't wasn't a priority for you. Like, no. you'd rather be drawing. I'd rather be drawing, exactly. Or hanging out with my friends mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, did How did you hook up with uh, the From a Hack guys? How did that happen? Oh, I was, li- I was on the bus coming from somewhere and... This guy taps me on my shoulder and is like... Is this during high school or... No, this is after high school. I think uh, I was at OCAD. Okay. So maybe we should go back then. Okay. What Before we get into where you met the From a Hack guys, what were you doing after high school? Okay, so um, after right after high school, I went to Humber for 3D animation. Did that for a semester. That didn't really work out. It wasn't really my lane. So I uh, I left after that semester. Uh, some other stuff interfered with my time at that school, but it kind of worked out because I would have been stuck in a program I didn't really enjoy anyways. Did you go into 3D animation because you thought... I thought that I thought 3D animation was my... Or not 3D animation specifically, but animation in general because of my love for anime and like comics and or at the time manga and stuff so i was like oh i can make my own anime sometime yeah so, maybe i can apply my drawing to yeah. like an actual thing yeah that's yeah. a thing that i know you can do exactly right. so but that didn't work out i took the next year off to work uh and improve my grades because i knew i a few of my friends in my art class went to OCAD and it seemed like they were enjoying themselves so i was like oh my friends went to OCAD. i'd like to go to OCAD too but I didn't have the grades to get into the school. Mm-hmm. So during the when sub- you say your friends in your art class, is this high school art class? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I take a, a summer course to improve my English grades so I could apply to OCAD. So I was working and doing that, and then I go to the OCAD, I think, a year later. And that's when I may, um that's when the bus story happens, I think. Okay, tell me the bus story. Okay, so this guy taps me on my shoulder, and it's like, 
hey, are you that Janoy guy? And I'm like, yeah, I'm Janoy, who are you? And it's Paris. Paris sees me on the bus, and it's like, uh, Ricky told me about you. And uh, Ricky, Ricky Lima? Yeah. He's been on our show as well. Yeah. Wow. How did how did you know Ricky? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Um, Ricky, I don't know if he still works at Stadium. but He, he used to. He So, Ricky's status at Stadium is... He was doing their unboxing Wednesday, Wednesday's YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't actually work there. And then they just, like a few weeks ago, they ended unboxing I Wednesdays. I saw that, yeah. Right? So basically his connection to them is he was doing their unboxing videos, but he, you know, he was just coming in to do that, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. But uh, I was it a free comic book day event? Or they were doing something at this store, and there were artists around. Right. And I walked up to someone at the store. It turned, I think it was Ricky. And I just like, hey, what's going on? And they're telling me about it. And I was like, I'm an artist too. Look at some of my work. So then that's how I introduced myself to Ricky. And they were having a Rising Talents event a few weeks later. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to participate. So that's how my connection to Ricky happened. And I guess... Paris knew Ricky already, so they were talking, and I guess Ricky mentioned me to him, and Paris checked out my stuff, and that's when he saw me on the bus. Okay, go back to the bus. Okay, so we're on the bus, he tells me he's Paris, and, and what else happened? I don't know, we're just, like, talking about art or whatever, and we both get off the bus at the same stop, and then we're walking, and, like, we're still walking together, and it's like, I don't know you, and you're, like, still walking with me, and it turns out that we lived on the same street whoa yeah so he was like a block away from me so so uh that's how i met paris and then he invited me to join from a hat when he found out i was an artist and all that so yeah so from a hat was already going on yeah and at this point in your life are you going to ocad or yes okay yeah so and even when you met ricky like you came to the comic shop because of Free Comic Day? No, it wasn't because of Free Comic okay. Day. I just think I was at this in the mall at the same time as Free Comic Book Day, and right. I saw him. Right, right. So it's not like you were collecting comics. No. It was just like you were there. I was at the mall. Because I know that Ricky used to, because he worked there, Yeah. Uh, he used to table... Uh, because he had his own stuff like yeah yeah Deep yeah, yeah. Sea with, yeah, yeah. with uh, 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 uh david da bishop yeah, yeah david bishop and so he would table like sometimes they would let him table his own work like deep sea or yeah. whatever um, he was working Black on Hunters, at the time yeah. right so i guess that must have been one of those moments probably right? for sure so from a hat was already going on yeah when you were invited yeah and how did paris pitch it to you did you have to, like, go to his house? Like, we do this thing no. from a hat or what? No, it was, like, I don't even remember how I became part of From a Hat. It was, like, hey, we do this thing. We draw characters each week. Join it. And I was, like, yeah, okay, sure. So I just started drawing characters with them. When you joined, were the people that would be part of From a Hat or known to be part of From a Hat already there? Yeah, Everyone, everyone, I might have been one of the last few members to be part of it. So for those who don't know about From a Hat or or have not listened to our Paris and Jamal episode, uh, first of all, shame on you. But second of all, (laughs) here are the people 
that are in from a hat. It's I think it's like Dylan Burnett. Yep. Who went on to work on Cosmic Ghost Rider and X Force and X Force, awesome. which he's doing right now. Yeah. Uh, we have Matt Seamus. Yeah. We have Janoy, who I've already told you his credits. Hello. We have Jamal, who right now is working with Brian Michael Bendis. Jamal Campbell working yeah. on Brian with Brian Campbell Michael there. Bendis on Naomi, which is a new hot comic for yeah. DC Comics. He's also done. Uh, covers for like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. A lot of Marvel work too. And a lot of Marvel work too. Yeah. So all these guys. And I'm Tishon. To, oh, and, and Tishon Dwyer, who yeah. I just read his new comic. Desert Messiah. It's Desert it. Messiah, which is really amazing. Pick yeah. that up at the Toronto Comic Con. Uh, it's basically Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the desert uh, where, where like this... this uh, this messiah guy, this dude in a robe, is protecting a sort of uh, baby with psychic powers yep. in the vein of, like, Akira. Yeah. So it's kind of like Lone Wolf and Cub meets Akira, I would say. Desert Messiah, go check it out. Tayshawn Dwyer, uh, he's amazing. Am I missing anyone? Um, I think that's everyone part of the group now. Okay, let me look. Because our... Yeah, no, I got everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm in. Cause my, my, thanks, Alex. Our producer's here. He just showed me a photo of it. So these guys, what I'm trying to explain to the audience is that all of these guys who started this collective, yep. where it was basically just, you know, it was like a Facebook page. You guys would uh, draw a character that you would from draw a from hat, a hat, right? A, we didn't actually draw from a hat, but... <laughs> okay, but... <laughs> It, we the legend is yeah, yeah yeah that you guys <laughs> drew the character that you pick for the week from a hat yeah and then you would all draw it in your own style exactly yeah and through the power of social media people started to notice yeah. right and all of these guys would go on to have careers in like marvel dc they would do their own yeah. self-published work paris right now is working on haven yeah his work that was Picked up by Chapter House Comics yep. for a while, but yeah. now I think has reverted back to him. I don't know the specifics. Yeah, I don't know the specifics either. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I've been hearing stuff about Chapter House, but I don't really know. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It basically was published by Chapter House. It's called Haven. Great uh, story, too. It's a great story. It's about a girl who's like a, she's sort of like a ninja, but she looks like a panda bear. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so all these guys, uh, including Janoy, uh, were doing From a Hat. And then so, how did From a Hat work? Paris and Jam Jamal kind of explained it to me. But like, once you joined, from your perspective, what was From a Hat like? It was just it was just friends that like to draw. Right. So like, we we'd always like I think there was a group chat. We'd uh. We'd talk a bit. We'd hang out at conventions. I think like most of the cons, like earlier before, um, before we started getting professional work, where like we'd always be like table together. Um, it was kind of I don't know how to say it. We were kind of like like an, a rap group or something. <laughs> like the Wu-Tang Clan yeah, of comics? exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so, it, yeah, it was just, like, we were a bunch of guys that just liked drawing. So when would you decide to draw 
the character that you were drawing of the week and who would pick it and what would happen? If I remember correctly, I think we would um, we'd put out the drawings on Wednesdays or at least try to have them done for Wednesday, but sometimes they would be put up throughout the week because like we were busy. But I think we'd uh, sometimes we'd ask people on the Facebook page for suggestions or we'd come up with suggestions on our own uh or i think we actually had a rotation where like every week one of us would pick a character for everyone else to draw nice yeah that's awesome fun time so so do you remember the character that you picked or a favorite character that you drew or what are your memories of from a hat well like it was a long time ago, so I hate all the drawings I did. Right. Everybody <laughs> hates their past well, work. Yeah. For sure. um, I remember a Nightwing drawing. I don't remember who suggested it, but I remember the Nightwing. It might have been my first drawing for From a Hat. Okay. Um, I remember an Akira piece. Oh, I think I, I remember a Skull Girl piece. Uh, Skull Girl? No. Tank Girl. My bad. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that one. I don't remember what I picked, though. Probably something anime, though. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. So, and then you guys started getting attention, right? Like, you started, because you had posted on the Facebook page, yeah. the From a Hat Facebook page, what was sort of the reaction that you would get? Um, It was all love from, like, everyone who saw it. Uh, I don't think, I don't think anything, like, like, nobody was upset with anything we did. Like, sometimes you post something and there's, like, haters in the comments or whatever. But it seemed like everybody uh, who saw our work was, like, impressed. We were all pretty young at the time. Uh, early 20s, I think. So uh, it was just a, a lot of uh, support and appreciation from, I guess, the greater Toronto area and everyone who's seen it. And then how many like how many likes did you have on the Facebook page? Like was there a Oof. lot of fans? I'm not sure. I'd okay. have to check. Okay. But it, it, I want to say a few hundred, maybe a thousand okay. something. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um I want yeah, th- that's interesting cuz like the legend is always that you guys started getting professional work <laughs> from your work on from a hat. Like 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 I always heard it like this, and okay. I, I don't know if it's true. You can confirm. Yeah, yeah. But, like, people started seeing your stuff from From a Hat. They started seeing you around conventions, and they yeah. knew you from From a Hat. And that's kind of how Marvel and DC discovered you, was through From a Hat. Is that even true? Um. Okay, like, technically, in some weird connection, sure. But... What do you mean? Okay. Explain that to me. Okay, so, like, Jamal got to start at marvel through going to fan expo right however he probably only went to fan expo because we were at fan expo as a group as part of from a hat right so technically like jamal wouldn't have been there if it weren't for from a hat right but i don't think marvel recognizes jamal without jamal being awesome it's not because like from a hat, it's because Jamal's awesome. The editor didn't come and go, hey, you're Jamal from From a Hat. Yeah, no, I, I think there were, like, port- portfolio reviews at Fan Expo that year. Right. So Mar- And he, like, tried out. So, yeah, so technically he wouldn't have been at that portfolio 
portfolio review without from a hat, but it's still it was still him that went to Marvel and was like, hey, check out my work. And Marvel's like, you're awesome. So then they invited him to work on more stuff. And that's the same with like me. And then like Dylan started off like with indie comics and then he found his work at Marvel. Right. Yeah. Right. Because he was doing a book for like a smaller publisher at one point, right? Dylan? Yeah. Uh, Interceptor, I think. Yeah. 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 And then... Uh, so all of you eventually went for portfolio reviews at cons? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, which you were at because of From a Hat. Exactly. Do you think that, like, having From a Hat and, you know, being all together, like, is, is there strength in numbers? Like, does the fact that you were all part of one collective yeah. make you more powerful or make it easier to break into the industry? I think it helped at cons because we're, like we'd like block off a, a part of Artist Alley as a group. So like we're those guys at Artist Alley. Right. Uh, so I think it helps there. And I think just having a support group, uh, a group of friends where you, you could like share exciting news or like get critiques on your work from, that's very helpful. And in a lot of cases, or at least I know for myself, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for like parents tapping me on my shoulder and asking me if I, asking me to be part of From a Hat. Right. Yeah. Did you guys travel together to cons? Um, I know Paris did some traveling to cons, but I haven't left uh, anything outside of the, for anything outside of the GTA really. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, except for, like, New York Comic Con a couple times, but that was just as a guest. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because now you're starting to get invited places. No, no. When oh. I say as a guest, like, just walking around and enjoying the Oh, like, as yeah, a yeah. attendee. Uh, yeah. Attendee. Because yeah. you are a guest now, um, these days, for cons. I haven't applied, maybe. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, in terms of your story, when did when did you sort of you know, get your, how did you break in? I guess is the question. How did you break in at Marvel? You went for a portfolio review. When did that happen? Where did that happen? Tell me the story. Um, I think it was fan expo of 2015. Uh, I went to a portfolio review. It was a lot of pointers, but, uh, do you remember who reviewed your portfolio? Oh, actually there were two portfolio reviews. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't remember the first guy, but his last name was Ross. Okay. He was doing Maybe it's Dave Ross. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but, so I, I see Ross. He gives me a bit of advice on my work. And, um, but nothing comes from it, right? It's just like, keep working. Right. Um, but then I, I, I leave, go back to my table, and the other guys go up for their reviews, and they come back with business cards from... Um, a guy named C.B. Sobolski. Yeah, C.B. Sobolski, who now is the editor-in-chief at Marvel. Yeah. But at the time, and for a long time... Was a talent Was scout? like the talent scout yeah, for yeah. Marvel. C.B. Sobolski. So they come back with business cards, and I'm like, wait, I didn't get a business card. So I go back, uh, and it's like at the end of C.B.'s reviews, and I bring my portfolio, and I'm like, 
can I can I show you my stuff real quick? I know you have to go." And he's like, "Yeah, sure." So he looks at my stuff, and he and he likes it, and he says, "You're you're pretty good, but you got some work to do." He hands me a business card. And what's what's in your portfolio? Ooh. Um. Did I have samples pages? I don't think I had like actual pages like I worked on. I think it was all pinups. All pinups. Wow. Which they tell you never to do. Yeah. They always tell you to like have some sequential art in there. But I don't know any better. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, but he, he says, he, I think he says, uh, I have potential. So, uh, he hands me a business card and then like for the next year or so, I'm just sending, I keep on sending him samples. And then uh, I think he gives me the contact of Ricky uh, Purden, okay. and I'm sending him samples, and it, I'm just getting feedback back, uh, feedback from both of them. Until I think it's like late 2016, I think it was in December, where they finally get back to me with um, a short story in the Totally Awesome Hulk book. Oh yeah, the. Totally Awesome Hulk, which was like the Korean Hulk, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's when they're like, hey, can you do the short story for us? And I was like, yes, I can definitely do the short story for you guys. So that's how I like broke in. But it started with those portfolio portfolio reviews. But like during that time, I should say that like a, uh, Ty Templeton is helping me out like teaching me how to draw comics properly while I'm doing these samples for Marvel and stuff. Are you taking his boot camp or are you just... He invited me to the boot camp, yeah. Okay. It was actually, I think I was in the boot camp during October, November-ish. I sent off my samples, my last few samples in like late November and then I get Totally Awesome Hulk in late December. And the samples you're sending aren't just pinups anymore. They're actual... They're actual sequential Sequential stories and stuff. So what would you draw? Like Marvel characters or yeah, they're like you look online and there's a whole bunch of sample scripts, and and, and do them yeah, and then I'd have uh, CB and Ricky, they'd send me scripts to work from too. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, that's really cool. I'm, I'm gonna ask this question for all the people listening who want to get into comics, mm-hmm. but what gave you the confidence to approach uh, CB about? doing a portfolio review what what made you actually go up to them because i think that's kind of a barrier for people like they're not they're sort of intimidated yeah you know well i don't know in my mind it's like a portfolio it's their job to look at your work right that's what they're there for so in my mind it's like they're like it's not like I'm going up to a stranger and being like, hey, can you look at my stuff? Like taking them out of like what they're doing right? to like focus on me. Where in this scenario, it's like that's what they're there for. Right. They're there to give you advice. They come to cons to give you portfolio Ex- Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess just from there, it's easier to just, it's easier for me to like go because I am a shy guy too. Right. Where like I probably wouldn't just bring my work up to somebody and ask them to look at it but in the in the context of a portfolio review it's like it's easier for me to get to that point where i can just bring my work plus 
you have your friends fr- on from a My hat, friends are doing it too. Yeah, so there's a little bit of like positive peer pressure there. Yeah. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, oh, you're going? Well, I should go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, at that point, did you think that you were good enough? It's actually funny you say that because the Fan Expo before that one, Jamal goes. And I think a few of the other guys go, but I don't think I'm good enough, so I stay back. Right. And I don't go. And then Jamal gets, like, does amazingly well that year after. And I'm like, yo, I want to be there. So then the year after, that's when I go for my review. You just decide, like, if I want to do this, I have to to go up. No matter what I think about my own stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, And I'm sure, like, you were, like, because this happens sort of naturally. You sort of compare yourself to your friends in terms of how good you are and whatever like did you did you rank yourself it's sort of weird to say that did did, did you compare yourself to To jamal and like um, and dylan and to sean and parrot yeah yeah was it was it in a good way like well if he got a business card then i'm definitely gonna get a business card or um there's definitely like some sort of competition right but i don't think it's like it's not I don't want to there's like no jealousy involved or anything. Right. It's just like, I want to be where you're at. Right. So like to be there together with you instead of like, I don't want to be ahead of yours. I don't know. It's weird to say, but like you see your friends doing it. You see your friends being successful and you're like, why can't I be that too? too? Right. So right, yeah. For sure. So in 2016, like late 2016, yeah. you get Totally Awesome Hulk, the short story. Yeah. What was your experience like first time working on a Marvel comic on deadline? Um, it probably helped a little bit that you weren't actually collecting comics or like a big comic fan. Yeah, well, no, by that time, okay. I'd have a small collection. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you knew you knew what you were getting into. Yeah. Kind of thing. You knew like how big this was what what was it like the first time that you had to draw a comic on deadline i remember enjoying it a lot it was also a weird time at my house when i was working on it like my grandpa was living with us for a bit and there were like some medical issues and then like i was actually sleeping in my basement because my grandpa had my room so I'm, like, on this small little bed that used to belong to my sister, just drawing comics the whole time because I don't have my actual room anymore. And and it was a short story, so it wasn't long, like, working on it. It wasn't, like, um, it didn't take up too much of, like, time. Right. But did it kind of throw you off, like, to not be um, in your natural environment? No. Okay. It was fun. It was like you, life happens and you just like deal with it and move on. So right. it's like it happened. Uh, like I'm only saying that like looking back on it, but in the moment I was just like, okay, I have work to do. I have to do this. Yeah. Cool. And making the deadline, no big deal. Uh, that time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell me, like, w- do you struggle? Um. Sometimes I find uh, comics are hard. Tell me, <laughs> comics are very hard. Drawing comics, like I, I, like I love it. So like I'll, I, 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 I push through. 
but like if you don't love it i wouldn't like i don't want to say i wouldn't suggest you do it just like know what you're getting into so tell the people what the problem is like what 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 do they need to be aware of why is it hard to draw comics i know what you're saying but yeah, i want yeah, you yeah, to yeah. say what you're saying it's like There are some things, like, okay, if you just, like, you're out of high school, in college or whatever, I don't know, there's just some things you just don't draw. Like, you will never come across, like, a situation where you got to draw X, Y, and Z happening, and then you have to draw X, Y, and Z for a comic. And then, like, a lot of, like, I don't, it's, I don't get, I don't get it. I just know, I don't know how to say it. Oh, my God. It's just... There's so much work. Right. A lot of work goes into drawing comics. And you're not just drawing the character, which is the fun part. You're drawing, like, the buildings and the cars and the background and that sort of stuff, right? And it's, like, it's taxing almost, like, on, 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 on your person. And, like, you're testing yourself with every... Like you, re- like you're drawing, and you realize, wow, I'm actually not good at drawing. Because I don't know how to draw this thing that they're asking me to do, and then you're trying to draw it, and that's taking you a long time to get done. And then you have like an editor or something asking you, like, hey, um, where, when are the pages coming through, or like, where are the pencils or inks or whatever? And it's like, I want to get them to you on time. It's just that. I don't know. It's, it's like a, you're still learning how to draw. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning how to draw comics while working on comics. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I mean, it's not just drawing like the like a car or something that's difficult to draw, but drawing it from a certain perspective. Perspective, uh, and like getting characters to like not look weird. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. Like getting uh, proportions right and like facial expressions and keeping a consistency throughout the book. Like these are all things I'm like learning and working on as I'm working in comics. Wow. So I don't know. So like if you're not, I'm not saying you shouldn't draw comics, but just like have a love for it where you're willing to push through like the hardest of times. Right. Because there's also high moments too drawing comics. Where Tell you're, me. Like, you're drawing something and you're like, yo. Like, it's kind of like the opposite of the problem I had before where I'm down on myself. Where it's like, yo, I'm awesome now. Because, like, you're drawing it and you're like, yo, that actually turned out pretty sick. Like an action shot or a Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. So you have moments like that too. Mm-hmm. So just make sure that if you're doing this, it's something you you love. What is your process like for drawing? Is it the same all the time or? Uh, for comics? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you like thumbnails, pencils, get them approved, and then inks, and then send off to a colorist. Right. Are yeah. you inking your own stuff? Yeah. Okay. Which is another thing I got to work on. Why? Mm. Just because, like, I think... My line weights are very samey throughout. Sometimes you want to develop more of a style. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
cool. Who who influences you in terms of penciling and inking? Like, who do you look to? Ooh. Who do you want to be like? Okay, that's a. I want to be like. Sometimes I have moments where I want to be Olivier Coipel so bad. Like you'll see it in some drawings where it's like, okay, I see what you're trying to do. Um, I think he's the one I want to be. I want to be like that good the most. I also really love Sarah Pacelli's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just read uh, Magic Order by so good. Yeah, with Olivia uh, Olivia yeah. Cabell. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, with Mark Miller. Yeah, amazing. Uh, I noticed that like Miles Morales is a is a character that like used to come up in From a Hat a lot. Uh, yeah. Paris draws him a lot. Um, I've drawn him. A few you you times. draw him a p- fair bit. Yeah. So I could see like the Sarah Pacelli connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So, so you're doing that, and like it's it's hard. It's a lot. You're inking yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know that kind of stuff. Um, when do, and and they're giving you like all throughout this time, they're giving you what like stories to work on. Like what what are you working on after Totally Awesome Hulk? Um. There is a bit of downtime after Totally Awesome Hulk. And then uh, I think that summer I get a... So 2017, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. summer 2017. Summer 2017. Um, was it? Tw- yeah, it was 2017. Uh, an artist gets sick on a book. Oh, that's always good. <laughs> For you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's fine now. But right. <laughs> <laughs> an artist gets sick on a book and they need someone to like finish it to do some of the fill in pages and they ask me to do it. And uh so that happens during the summer. I think it was an Avengers story. Nice. Like I know that one of your credits is on Kenny Avengers. Is that Yeah, is yeah, that yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. So you so, do So I do some of the pages that were missing in that book. I think it's divided between um one uh, me and one other artist right and then when you're filling in for another artist you don't get credit for that right or do you you do okay you do. yeah yeah um my name's on the on the book i oh, think okay cool and it's a team book so it's a little different right it is yeah you have to draw multiple characters in different scenarios talking yeah, not, not only that it's like in a setting you have you're not familiar with because you're like in the middle of an arc you have no idea what these characters are like supposed to look like at this point in the story or like um like how they're feeling when you're drawing them or whatever do they try to help you like do they send you reference or um what happens well i got the thumbnails right, for a okay. few of the pages so i could kind of so i know where the work I was doing takes place in that issue. Right. Um, but like there's, I don't remember there being like a lot of helper guidance. That doesn't sound right, but like it was like deadlines had to be met. Right. right? So like there wasn't a lot. You're of already time. filling in. So you're already up against it. Right? Yeah. The yeah. book is probably, I think either going to be delayed or or close to being delayed if you can't yeah, come through. I think there was like a week to finish these pages. Pressure, man. Yeah. Um, when you're working under pressure, do you have to shorten your style? Like, do you have like shortcuts for that? Um, I don't have any tricks yet for like 
hitting things on a deadline on time. I kind of just try and do the best work I can in the amount of time that I have. Right. Uh, sometimes, I don't like saying it, but sometimes the art does suffer. Sometimes. I try not. I do my best to make sure that it's like consistent throughout. But sometimes you really got to hit the deadline. Right. It's more important to finish the book. Yeah, than it, than it being perfect. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that's kind of what some artists need to learn. Like, it can't always be your best stuff. Yeah. You got to finish. Yeah. Right? Although, as much, like, I hope it's, like, I don't want to, I'm not saying put out garbage. I'm saying sometimes the book doesn't get 100%. Sometimes it gets 80. I don't know. And you have to be okay with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that sound bad? No. Sound I bad. think I think everybody suffers that. Like, I'm a writer. Yeah. Right? And I can edit and re-edit and tweak and whatever until the cows come home. Yeah. But I also have to keep in mind that I got rent to pay that month. Yeah. And, like, I can't delay to the next month. Yeah. Because yeah. that means I'm not going to get paid for the next month, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. It's not about, like, perfection necessarily. Yeah. It's about finishing sometimes and yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. a good skill to learn I yeah. think. you know what i mean because that means you're a professional you yeah. actually have to like work to deadline yeah stuff. yeah yeah you know what i mean i mean it'd be great that's why like when you talk about like music artists some music artists it's like their first album they've had years to, to like think on. about and work on yeah 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 and yeah. that's why their first album is like amazing yeah but then their second album sucks because the timeline to make it is like shorter yeah and they haven't actually thought past their first album yeah yeah yeah. right you know what i mean definitely yeah for sure so you're doing this but but you completed it like yeah yeah, you you stepped in and you finished it which is from an editor's perspective that's gold yeah you could come in and step in and actually complete it and the book could come out like you you've built a lot of like social mileage with editors i imagine at this point right um, well, I've only worked on two things at that point. Right. But, but yeah, yeah. But it, it, it goes a long way yeah, yeah. for you to get more work, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because all of a sudden people know that you're, like, reliable. Okay, And yeah. that you can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cool. Cool. So then, how do you get, uh, you know, d- does She-Hulk come first or does Luke Cage come Lu- first? She-Hulk comes first. Okay, so... Does She-Hulk happen after Uncanny Avengers, I guess? Yes, yeah. Okay. Uh, When was She-Hulk? Not that long ago. It wasn't. I'm trying to remember if it was late 2017 or early 2018. I know that the book was coming out in 2018, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I got it in December. Right. Okay. And you're working with, like, Mariko Tamaki. Like, she's writing it. And Mariko Tamaki... Uh, you know, this one summer, you know, with, with Jillian Tamaki, her yeah. cousin. I mean, that's like an award-winning book. Uh, and everybody knows it. Yeah. She she is high profile. Yeah. Um, so this is like, you're working with like a writer who knows her stuff. Yeah. And, and is kind of a high profile writer. Um, and you're doing this one arc, right? Yeah. So what was it like working with her? Um. Again, I, I, I don't like saying things because I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing sometimes. But 
none of that mattered. Right. Because I don't, like I said, I'm new to comics too. So, like, I, I didn't know her at the time right. or, like, any of her accolades at right. the time. So, I'm just like, okay, here's another script that I got to work on. Right. So, You're a journeyman. Yeah. You just put your no- head down and get it done. Yeah. That's good. I, I want to have that perspective. Yeah. Because... I think sometimes it makes it easier Yeah. when you're not like, oh my God, I'm working with Mariko Tamaki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You just get it done. Yeah. What What did you What did you like about doing uh, She-Hulk? I like the scripts. The scripts are fun, and I think the scripts played to my strengths as an artist. Um, what do you think your strengths are? I like I like emotional, like one-on-one character moments, and I think that arc had a lot of. Um, moments with like jen dealing with herself right and i think uh those moments play to my strength more than action scenes do although i love drawing action scenes as well and there are a few cool ones in that arc as well but uh yeah so that's what's probably what i enjoyed the most those character moments and i believe like that whole arc like that whole book yeah dealt with her going through like depression wasn't it yeah so it was much more of an like the the impetus for turning into she-hulk was a much more emotional psychological exactly um starting point yeah than just a rage starting yeah point. yeah it was a much more different thing than the bruce banner hulk like more um more about like mental health yeah definitely which is kind of cool. Like, did you relate to that at all? I mean, um, you, you say you like those sort of emotional moments. No, not personally, but I think um, at the time, it was something that were was on a lot of people's minds, and uh, and it came up in a lot of conversations, like um, mental health and being able to take care of like yourself sometimes. Right. So, um, I just like that I worked on a story that was that I was able to touch on such an important topic right now. Mm-hmm. And for that character, I mean, you're drawing you're drawing a woman, but it's like a muscle Hulk woman. Yeah. Uh, is that different too? Like drawing like a big muscle bound um, character that way? No, it was. I didn't have any issues drawing her like physique. Right. Okay. I, I actually find I, I'm probably better at drawing women than men anyways. Although Why? So, I don't know. Just preference, I guess. Okay. I've always drawn uh, women, so I I guess that's where I, like, I got good. Right. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So then, after that, is that when you get Luke Cage? Uh, when did I get Luke Cage? It was it was a few months after She Hulk ended. No, it wasn't. I lied. Again, there's a bit of downtime because I don't think I finished She Hulk till January ish of twenty eighteen. Okay. What do you do during your downtime? Commissions and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh. Yeah, I think it's January twenty eighteen. Okay, no, she. I get, I get Avengers in the summer, right? Shortly after that, so I believe it's still summerish. Um, I get She Hulk. I don't finish She Hulk until January twenty eighteen, 
and then late February 2018, I get Luke Cage. So at this point, like Luke Cage is already on television. Like there's yeah, stuff happening on out. Netflix. So people know Luke Cage. People yeah, who yeah, may yeah. not have known about Luke Cage before people know Luke know Cage now. as a character. So this is a pretty high profile book for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, not to mention like people can't see you. You you are a black guy. Yeah. So does Luke Cage mean anything to you as what? a black Canadian? Um I don't know if his race means anything to me. I mean, it's definitely cool. Okay. That I get to draw as like such a cool black character, but again, like I'm new to comics, like I don't know, I'm not, I'm not familiar with his history as a character. Right, you don't have the cachet. Yeah, you don't have like the, oh my god, it's Luke Cage. Yeah, you know, and I've been I reading mean, him since a ki- since I was a kid. I loved the show. Right. Okay, tell me about the show. What did you like about the show? Oh, the music was dope. Oh, totally. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Uh, but. Yeah, so it's just a character that I'm familiar with, like, in passing, and then I saw the Netflix show, but I don't, and I can go to my friends and be like, yo, I'm drawing Luke Cage, and they're like, yo, that's sick, but, like, I don't, I don't really have, like, a connection to the character before I start working on the book. Right. Yeah. How did you get it? Like, how did I get the... Luke Cage, like, did they approach you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They just hit me up and were like, hey, do you want to work on a Luke Cage story we're doing? And I said, yes. And I mean, Anthony Del Cole's Canadian. Like, he's yeah. from here. Yeah. Uh, people know him from Kill Shakespeare. You yeah. guys are both Toronto people. Yeah. So did you know him already? No. Okay. okay. <laughs> Tell me about getting to know him. Um, He's so cool. He's a cool guy. We met uh, a couple times. And uh, I don't know. He's just like. He's into it, you know. I don't know how to. I don't know how to say that, but like he he cares a lot about like what he's working on. So uh, not to say that like nobody else cares, but like sometimes there are people who just like going ab- above and beyond almost to make sure like things are like you. You can tell when something is done with passion or not, right? And I think everything he does is he always wants it done with passion what did he like give you extra extra stuff extra resources extra reference like what kinds of stuff do you do that um, let he, you know just like uh, a lot of promo uh he was kind of like the forefront of for the book and uh he was very supportive along the way with advice and like notes on the story uh and uh, pages and stuff he was a, it was just like, he made working on it very pleasant. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So, because the show was out at the time that you were doing it, Yeah. does the show have any influence on the arc? No, I don't think so, because, although, like, I remember saying it was pretty cool that I'm working on a story and being able to see the character that I'm working on, uh, on like Netflix at the same time. Does I that, that make it cool. easier? Um, makes it easier to talk to like my friends about it. Right. <laughs> like in a braggish, a braggish way, just be like, yeah, I'm working on that guy yeah. on TV right now. It, it seems like the ultimate reference material. Like you could literally just turn on Netflix and be like, 
Yeah. I want to. I want to absorb Luke Cage right now. Yeah. So I'm just gonna turn on this TV while I, while I'm drawing, right? Yeah. It can definitely set a vibe for when you're working, having Luke Cage in the background while working on Luke Cage. Did you ever do that? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's so good. So tell me about the story, Luke Cage, Every Man. I I know that like it's unique because it was digital only for a while. Yeah, uh, the trade came out in November, I believe. Right, so it's collected and you can buy it on you know, at your comic shop and stuff. Comic book stores, chapters. Do, yeah, do you know, why was it digital? Um, at the time, and I believe still now, Marvel is doing a lot of digital, digital first books. So this was part of a trio. I think there was a Jessica Jones book and an Iron Fist book. Right, so all the Netflix shows pretty much essentially got digital first releases. Yeah. Do you know why? No. Okay. But I think it's pretty cool that they're doing that. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that's where a lot of media is going to go. Yeah. And and maybe the characters are minor enough that they don't necessarily sell on the stands, like to make it worth it to publish them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because there's a cost to To printing printing and and that sort of stuff, right? And maybe they don't sell enough to actually make it worthwhile. That's possible. And I find, or like, I don't know enough about it to speak like with like facts or whatever, but I just, I just have a feeling trades do better. So if you put it out digital first and then you get it collected and put it in a chapters, I think that's where comics like succeed most. Do you think that's where comics should go? I feel like the direct market is going to change yeah. like in the next few years i don't know if the silver snail is going to be yeah. around i don't know if comic shops are going to be a thing yeah uh, like they are still now and like like i got into comics like pretty late but like i'm already sick and tired of collecting single issues right like keeping them in a place and like reading them and then like I have boxes on boxes of single issues that I'm never going to go back to. So I, I, but I have trades that I look at all the time. Right. I don't know. It's complicated. You know what, man? Like I've been collecting comics since 95. Yeah. And I'm married. Yeah. So when I moved into the place with my wife, uh, I had to get rid of a lot of comics. Yeah. And now I only have one bookshelf. Yeah. Four shelves. It's a tall bookshelf. But that limits the amount of comics that I can keep at any one time. Yeah. So I find that I'm always taking stuff out and buying more and then taking stuff out and then bu- and then buying more kind of thing. So I'm always doing these trips to BMV where I'm like getting rid of stuff, trading it in, yeah. getting more things. And I've always thought that one day, you know, unless, unless like, and some of these are, tr- some of this is true, but like. Uh, unless your comics are like super valuable yeah. or you can only get them in single issues and yeah. they're very like influential. Yeah. I always thought that one day maybe I should just get rid of all my single issues and replace them with trade paperbacks. Yeah. Do you think that's a good idea? I'd do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like you, you have an arc that's like single issues and then you're just like, I'm going to get rid of them. and Especially if it's from like an artist I like. Right. Like I have a few... Um, like, Corey, Corey Powell did um, the first few issues of an X-Men run a few years ago. Right. So, I have all the single issues, but I have to trade on, like, comicsology 
where I can just read read it on like my iPad or whatever. Right, and there's less space. Yeah, and you don't have all these single issues you need to worry about. Yeah, I mean, unless you're unless you care about the value, and I don't really care. I don't think I own any comic book that's worth anything right, right now. Yeah, totally, totally. So Luke Cage, digital only. Now it's in trade. Yeah. Um, I want to check it out. Like, what's the story about it? It's called Everyman. Why Everyman? Oh, okay. Let me get, let me get seated properly. <laughs> um, it's a, it's an interesting story about Luke Cage, a man with bulletproof skin, finally getting like, like, cause you can't physically hurt him. Right. But if he gets sick, what, like, how does he deal with that? And it's called Everyman because I, Luke Cage kind of, like, represents, like, the Everyman. And he's kind of, like, that's who he fights for. So, um, yeah, I'm bad at selling sometimes, but it's a dope story. Trust me. Read it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm intrigued, man. Just you selling it, I'm intrigued by... The, the fact that he gets sick. He gets sick in the comic? Yeah. Um, okay, there's a villain. I don't want to spoil too much. No, no, no. You don't have to. But there, there's a villain who who can attack people by putting disease into them, which I think is, like, very cool and interesting. And because I, I haven't really seen that uh, in comics before. I'm probably wrong. I'm sure someone has done it. But it's... It's like there are these moments where it's like Luke Cage doesn't know like how much time he has, and but he's still like fighting with his all, right, to protect like Harlem and like the people he cares about, right. And people don't know that he's sick either. Yeah, he's so it's like it. an invisible disability almost or yeah. illness, right? Yeah. And you know, I know people because I'm in the disability community yeah. who deal with. The perception that they're fine, yeah. Even though internally they're not actually exactly, fine, yeah, yeah. Right. That's an interesting place to play, right? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. And again, it it has those character moments that I talked about in uh, uh, when I was working on She Hulk. Those moments where characters can, I don't know, just like reflect, right, on themselves and like have moments of vulnerability like there are a few pages where like luke is with his daughter that i just love to draw where it's like because like that's like the person in the book he cares about the most and he might not be there for her because of the sickness so i love those moments where they get to be together right right it's so cool i i love having an artist in who subverts expectations like you'd think that an artist who draws comics would be all about the action yeah but i like that you are opposite you're all about the emotional and character moments that's awesome okay so we have to wrap this up okay what's what's the next thing happening for you uh that you can share if um, anything you know what i think i should say this now because then it will hold me accountable but, like, I decided that I think I've had this short story in my mind for a long time. And, like, 
and again it comes back to that rival rivalry i mentioned before so like tashan puts out his book at toronto comic-con desert Death messiah Pass, desert messiah which is great you should pick that up um so now i want to put out my book the story that i've been working on for so long so i hope to have i hope to have something for fan expo i want to put that in the air put that in the universe okay so are you going to tell us what it is um it's called sparrow okay and it's a it's about two young girls one's a princess and one is a kind of um or what's the word an orphan yeah she's uh orphaned by war and they kind of to prevent like a tragedy happening again they got to work together awesome yeah i mean like i said i'm bad at selling and i still have a lot of stuff to work out but like I think I think I have a cool story that I can't wait to tell people. I think that just that leaving it there, they yeah. have to prevent something from happening again. They have to work together. Is yeah. enough to sell it. So if people want to follow what you're doing, where can they find you on social media? Um, at Janoy L on Twitter and Instagram. That's pretty much how you can find me everywhere. I think on Facebook as well. And uh, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, you've been listening to Janoy Lindsay. Pick up his books, uh, Luke Cage Everyman, uh, available on Marvel Digital. Yeah. And uh, it's collected. And so trade. pick it up and trade at your local comic store. Uh, pick up uh, his arc on She-Hulk. Uh, I think it's called Jen Walters Must Die. Yep. Or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Actually, that's good. Do that. And uh, look out for his uh, upcoming book, Sparrow. Yeah. Thank and we'll you. see you next time on Speech Bubble. This has been Speech Bubble. See you in the future, friends. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Speech Bubble on Never Sleeps Network is hosted by me, Aaron Broverman, and features audio editing from Armin Zoberi. It has announcements by Craig Mayhem and Sean Ward, with graphical assistance by Brittany Tice.